If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. Oh gosh, it's like a million. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried, the girls bro. are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. Welcome so, to the Winners Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. We're back. We're back. I went to a board game festival, but I did come back. Did you win um, the board games? I did win a few. I actually got second in two different tournaments, which was... Ooh. I don't know. I don't think of myself as too competitive, but here we are. I was not not too happy, but... <laughs> but See, that's of- the thing, right? Is I mean, even in Survivor and board games... Second place is both and like a, a a spot to be proud of, but also the worst spot. <laughs> yeah, it's like what could I have done just a little better mm-hmm. to win? Which is what some of these people here on this show are going to be thinking in just a few weeks. Finale's coming up, Joe. So much quicker than usual. Like, yeah, make as many episodes anymore. Yeah, like, I don't we're at seven. I don't hate it, but also it's just like wow, we're we're almost done. And it's not next week, right? It's the week after that's finale. I think it's so. We've got the final seven. Do or we've got a final six episode and then oh yeah you're right okay so two more or three more i guess cool that's exciting yeah. um, anyway we're covering two episodes here game of chicken last week's double boot episode and the fantastic episode title tell a good lie not a stupid lie that's a good episode title so, the second one yeah that was uh like that's the line that i think to me will stick with Ulmer after the season. You know, like, this is his best moment. This is the one that might get gift. This is uh, the memorable thing that when we think about this season in Ulmer's journey, you know, five, six seasons from now, I think I think that's, that, that's actually the moment. So it's kind of cool that they did pick it as an episode title. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the, if you have to condense why Ulmer's coming back to one moment it's that line there like Mm -hmm. it just really sums up the game he's playing and how interesting it is i guess yeah Um, i think the interesting thing about omar is it's not something we see all the time this sort of um unexpected game body villain um yeah i mean is he a villain though like i feel like he's (laughs) (laughs) i think he's the hero personally no um but like i don't it's not like we were supposed to be cheering for high here you know like we were we were on the journey with omer and his scheming and i think i think he's the protagonist anyway of this episode maybe not hero but you know he's the one that we're following i mean i guess you could say it's Lindsay. it's it's Lindsay and omer right like it was a very heavily focused episode for both of them um and uh i don't know i think it's kind of cool that we get like this he's like a trickster he's like neutral almost mm-hmm yeah it's very puppeteering yeah yeah it's it's fun like we haven't had a player like that in a decent amount of time especially one who's able to be so successful you know like it seems like nobody is on to him at all and that makes it pretty fun i did feel a little bad for high like getting pretty slam dunked here i i mean high had it coming but the also- bad analogies <laughs> I really liked how he how he reacted to it. It was very classy. It reminded me of Andrea. Like Andrea always takes her like blindsides like so well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she realizes the sort of mark of like 
what a threat she is and like yeah i'm a threat and cool you played the game so yeah no i loved it like i i'm always a fan of that like the like clap it off and and be happy about you know like be honored that somebody thought you were worth doing that too in a way right like maybe when he watches the episode back you know (laughs) maybe less so but Still, it like it, it's it's a cool thing. It's a badge of honor for sure. Mm-hmm. And I thought both of these episodes, I don't think were great, but they were like good. You know, I enjoyed myself watching them, and we got to see new people kind of enter the frame, right? Yeah. Definitely the first episode, the double boot, as was expected, really rushed it. Um, very simple stories there. And then, of course, had a big moment at the end that was going to take a lot of time any which way. So, mm-hmm. and then this one was, yeah, also like simplistic in structure, almost to the sense of it almost being like, a, this person's obviously going home. So, yeah, we're using that to motivate the story. Um, but yeah, they weren't bad per se. Yeah, I, honestly, I've really soured is the wrong word because I am really enjoying myself. But like, I, I think this is a low tier survivor <laughs> season at this point. Like, every week it like kind of drops. Like, there's still, like, we're almost at the end and there's like not a big awesome moment you know stuff like that it's starting to willy weigh on me but overall like i actually really love some of the philosophy behind how this season's being made anyway so like i like obviously lindsay's been the least visible character on the show up until you know this week last week i kind of like the story choice to raise her here Like, we kind of saw that with Erica last season, and we talked about the problem of, well, how do you show somebody coming, like, being in somebody else's shadow and stepping out of it? We see this with Lindsay. Her story is, I I think what it's going to end up being is how Lindsay was in Jonathan's shadow and learned over time how to step out of it and be a star herself. How do you tell that story in Survivor when you only have 44 minutes an episode and giving her more content and actually in a weird meta-textual way before this moment uh, makes her seem less in the shadow, which makes that story less powerful uh, in a weird way, making her less visible and just sort of popping in every now and then and getting outvoted by Jonathan does more than her commenting on that all season would have. And in a way, I've kind of come around in a very positive way on Lindsay's story. Did that make sense? And do you agree? (laughs) Yeah, I think it did make sense. Um, I sort of look at it a different way where I think this increase in visibility really works because, yeah, she was quieter for the rest of the season, but she wasn't invisible. Yes. Like, you understood Lindsay's presence up until now, and now that she's much more in the spotlight, it makes even more sense. Like, I think it's just a a really good harmony of two very different, like, times in the game, but it makes sense to make this one person. Right. I think I like what it's doing, at least for my brain, which is very, like, attuned to, like, what is that doing? But also, I bet a lot of fans, which is, like, is Lindsay a threat to win? Like, what does this mean? Like, what are they doing? Like, especially that Lindsay isn't as invisible. Like, what does that mean going forward? And for me, it's kind of like, it's too good to be true. I'm a big Lindsay fan. So I'm like trying to be like, no, this can't be right. But it is like, what if it happens? And it kind of I mean, makes you know, sense. Her odds go up way more this week than, than, and I guess we should say these two weeks than anybody else's, right? Like even I had her very low last time we spoke, but like, you know, I, there's only so many people and she's, she's not zero anymore, right? So that does mean something. And I agree. I think if we're looking at this as a TV show at large, I think that this approach is 
much better than the Heather kind of treatment, right? Like the just got no space for you, especially obviously because Heather comes forth. Um, I think there's a lot like my take in this is what I've been going with in in threads and in, in discussions with my friends and stuff like that is 41 is a better season of Survivor. It just has more overt problems like it's it's highs are way higher. I think it's median is way higher. But 41 had this some like when we were being introduced to a lot of these twists. And so a lot of discussion was like a reaction to them. But also there's just like these weird, weird decisions in that season, like Heather not being in it at all that are way worse than anything in this season. You know, and I, I, that's how I've been kind of viewing these is like, I think 41 is way better. And people will talk about 41 for much later than they'll talk about this season, honestly. Uh, and to me, that's the sign of a good season. Um, but this one is like a solid, you know, seven across the board, you know, like it doesn't really screw that much up. Everything's pretty competent. Just there's nothing that exciting either. I think I'm still on the opposite side where I still appreciate 42 more than 41. And I think it is that sense of consistency. Like I'd rather have sort of a more polished final product that doesn't show its problems and tells just a more consistent story than the highs and lows of 41. And I think you're right in that a lot of it was like we had to see every single twist and then part of our part of our feeling on that season definitely relates to being introduced to those firsthand Mm -hmm. but i also think there's just a sense that they were able to edit better with us probably knowing what was about to happen it made the way for better entertainment yeah i i honestly think that i mean i think the stories themselves of the characters last season are a lot better like when we go through this you know some of them are pretty basic right you know Lindsay, it's she's in jonathan's shadow and now she's out of it and we'll see if the what depth there is beyond it, but that's a pretty basic story. And I think this season they've they I think they've opted to forego the complicated stories. I, I really think that's a um a clear narrative thrust of this season is last season was pretty rich and there was a lot of like deep, compelling discussions and stuff like that. And this season has been even okay. so this is a good example. So we have uh Obviously, that really powerful moment with Drea, Marianne, at that tribal at the Tory tribal council, it was so powerful. And it was not brought up again. You know, like, it was a moment, and it wasn't mentioned before, and it wasn't mentioned after. It it was just a thing that happened in the season. Whereas last season, you know, Deshaun Shan had these... Liana had these like powerful motivating stories throughout the whole season about that journey. Whereas in this one, it's just a moment and then they completely drop it in the next episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. That's the difference. I find myself liking 42's trend towards complicated moments as opposed to 41's complicated stories. That's fair. I mean, I'm definitely somebody who is the opposite. Like I'm like, Oh, I love, like I love the layers of complexity in 41 and stuff like that and that's what i'm missing but it's still good yeah just give me interesting like one episode tangles but i don't care about the story at large (laughs) hey that's totally fair one thing i mean on that note i mean it's kind of cool that this season you know we had they basically opted to give Lindsay main character spot this week, right? Like, she obviously, she won both challenges and kind of kickstarted her story. So I think that was always going to happen. But it is cool that we basically see every event that happens this week through her eyes and then through someone else's. Even something like Marianne finding the idol is Lindsay looks for it first, fails to find it, and then Marianne finds it. Like, it's kind of an interesting 
production decision. Like, it's very clear that they're like, everything that happens will go through Lindsay first this week for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Especially as someone who I think has always saw the potential to appreciate Lindsay, but never quite been there. It was really exciting. It makes me wish they had done this for Heather one episode last season. Like, the world through Heather's eyes at, like, I don't know, final six. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's what a lot of people were hoping for for the finale, right? Uh, For sure. Um, One thing I also think is kind of interesting about this week is this high vote with almost and the Roxroy vote when like no suspense like these have been the the entire merge so far has been pretty basic votes Mm -hmm. like lopsided it doesn't seem like there's much like decisions going on like tori's literally defaulted out of the game effectively high (laughs) is kind of mocked out of the game Roxroy is kind of mocked out of the game like there's very little um if you're on the bottom this season it seems like there is nothing you can do and yeah we've seen we saw this alliance of like eight at the beginning and then they've sort of crumbled yeah and, two of them are gone yeah and like two of the people on the odds are still here in the final seven so it is weird oh, yeah. I mean, I I think like I have a lot of bonus to uh, pick there. Like, I think I think we're being lied to a lot of how these dynamics are. Like, you know, like I don't think that eight person alliance was uh, all that. <laughs> yeah, like the most solid foundation it's- of an alliance. Really, I don't think yeah. it was that. It, it kind of seems like we might be seeing a Taku Pagong. There is four of them now at the yeah. final seven. Yep. <laughs> um, I think they might be trying to dress this up. Um, but we'll see what happens moving forward. But I have some takes here that uh, like I would not be surprised if Taku was the final four at this point. Yeah, I could see that definitely. I think, and I think I'm going to be a weird sticking point on this like as we discuss, but I think Mike is the weirdest like contingency yeah. in that. No, you're right. Yeah. It's, it's literally like I could see the final four being Taku, but I feel like Mike's in the final four. So yeah, it, it, it'll be an interesting one um, to look forward yeah. to. But like, what's also weird is so next week we have do or die again. It seems like I really hope they change that in some way. Yeah, I feel like it's going to cause someone to die this time. And I really there's none of these seven that I would want to see just have this happen to them. And yeah. like, there's many people i don't want this to happen like that is terrible like if drea gets do or died out of the game like that's no good Lindsay, i think who's playing a really good game jonathan's playing like a very different game to this like mm-hmm. yeah i don't want it i want to see a vote at the final seven mm-hmm. that's where like the other thing is like why isn't this at eight nothing like there's like almost never been an interesting vote at eight you know, that's the vote where everybody just kind of settles on somebody. If you're going to do a terrible twist, do it at eight or ten. Like, the even numbers rarely yeah. have anything happen. Definitely. Because mathematically, you need more people on your side to kind of influence. So oftentimes what you see in Survivor is Alliance holds at even votes and breaks at odd votes. And I don't know why they're doing these twists at the odd votes if they're really wanting to do them. Obviously, I would say it's a just don't do twists 
that undermine the premise of your game or Joe, but we'll see how it works next week. Mm-hmm. I do agree. I feel like it's going to die. Um, and yeah, not, uh, not excited for that. Yeah. I'm not excited for whomever gets that sort of like when they lose the challenge and we know who it is. Like, yeah. Oh, what a sense of dread. Cause that's the thing is last season, I feel like a bunch of us were waving the flag of like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Right? Like this is so unforgivable, but because it landed on do, you know, it was just swept under the rug, you know, like, mm-hmm. like people are so results oriented that they don't realize that if Deshaun would have just left there, it would have been so bad. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the other thing here, I think like, these challenges, I think, are much less good than we've even seen in recent seasons, especially that one uh, where like they're th- landing the beanbag on the platform. That felt yeah. like a kid's carnival game. Well, it's like they, I don't know if it's just constraints or they're really invested in like the turbulent weather of Fiji, like showing how hard that is to do, but it actively like makes challenges worse. Yeah. Like, in the final 10 episode, like that challenge was awful because like five people fell off in like three seconds. Like that's yeah. not a good challenge. And like, the not- other thing is with turbulence, it's not fair either. Like you're going to yeah. drop if the giant wave hits you. Mm-hmm. And then I think for the, final eight reward it seems like they modify that because there's no way they started just like five feet into the water (laughs) on that and then this really boring obstacle course like no no like if the challenge isn't gonna be as good have a better backup don't just make don't just try to force the challenge through or make it worse i know i was really disappointed yeah and i mean it's hard to blame them right like obviously they probably don't have much leeway with, like, contingency plans, right? Like, like, okay, so think about it. If it came, like, imagine the optics of it comes out, Redmond leaks that, you know, instead of doing a puzzle in the water, they do a strength challenge. Survivor Reddit's gonna go insane accusing them of uh, rigging it. Sure, I guess that's fair. So when Jonathan wins out, they're gonna be like, what? They, you know, they avoided the underwater puzzle just to save him or, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know, stuff like that I would be very worried about if I was on Survivor production. Um, but still, like, I mean, maybe come up with things that if the water's gonna be horrible, like, the rest of the challenge isn't bad. Like, don't make that... Star part, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Have not been too impressed by them so far, but hopefully they improve and do some. Honestly, do some, do some good ones. Um, yeah, I was just thinking, like, I get if like you have to recreate a or redo a bunch of old challenges, but if like there's one challenge that's just like totally new somewhere in the end game of this season. I don't know you could you could turn me around pretty quickly. So yeah, no, I'm with you there. And then uh, the only other thing like I wanted to kind of highlight here before we go into it is this family. Like, this is, I guess, our de facto family visit. I am very glad that we didn't have to sit through all of them, all of their baby photos. <laughs> I could not believe that this was the implementation. You know, baby photos are the kind of thing that, like, not even your friends really want to see, you know, like... Um, it's like just you. You're the only person who's interested by baby photo of your baby photo. Why is it on primetime TV? And like, not even myself. <laughs> I feel in some cases, I know. 
that's definitely one weird aspect of it. The other is just like a to like start it with this like unknown voice. It was the saw voice. <laughs> like that's wild and then it's this weird looks very complicated to project it onto like six different screens of this shipwreck like, was it that definitely just, like, was the uh aesthetic of you know like conspiracy theorist with like multiple screens of the same thing and zoomed in faces and of different opacities and stuff like it was very odd the the choice that they <laughs> the production design of the projections yeah i i don't know i guess it was cool in lieu of having the actual family visit um there is some discussion like this apparently also happened last season but we didn't see it like, oh really to erica not being there like does that mean one of these three is winning like who can say <laughs> yeah i mean it could easily just be that last season just had more going on like this was a eight two vote or whatever you know what I mean a six two vote or whatever yeah and that was the Shan vote so you didn't really yeah. have time to get away from that so and that was still a real was that the Shan vote so this was so at the Survivor Temple or whatever like the greatest reward yeah that's what this would have been that's why it was the greatest reward because of this mm. <laughs> see I feel like they did an okay job of just showing that that was a cool reward anyway like like that yeah. was the moment where you had her singing the song that's obviously gonna make the cut so I don't know I feel like that might be uh that might be in the realm of fan fiction, mm-hmm. but maybe not. I don't know. Like that was a, that was a powerful moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was weird. Uh, I'm personally of the opinion that we could like maybe have them bring out their family members, but like we don't need the family visit episode every year. <laughs> maybe bring them out. And if anything interesting happens, use it. Otherwise, don't. Let's see. CBS viewers love, like, what is it? Like, heartwarming moments of, like, good families being together and loving one another. Yeah. It's it's just so sentimental. (laughs) I can't do it. Yeah, I do not. I do not care. I don't ever like cry at this. <laughs> like, I'm the like, only, cool. but I do as a, as a hypocrite, as a self professed cr- hypocrite. Every now and then they do get me. Uh, you know, for example, Adam Klein's was really good. Obviously, what a weird and special, powerful situation he was in that made it so good. But that one really worked for me because we've never seen anything like that in Survivor. Uh, But overall, I'm like, yeah, so if it's that, include it because you can't find better TV. And if there's a really powerful moment, include it. But like oftentimes it's just like, this is my brother. We're brothers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, think about these three. It was like, wow, Lindsay has parents. Oh, and Mike has a wife and Omer a girlfriend. Who who could have guessed? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I usually I just kind of, you know, zone out <laughs> these ones. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's our general thoughts here. We'll move here into our stories and themes of the season. Uh, one I want to touch on quickly, I mean, the monster, the horror movie. I think that that voice for the family video absolutely <laughs> qualifies. I, at this point, I'm pretty confident this is at least maybe not a theme of the season, but an intentional production choice. Some yeah. production was hooked by that monster line that Erica said and went as far as they could in the one week they had to prepare to include things. That's my new conspiracy theory is um, they love that line so much. They're like, we're using this. Let's go. 
but we know that this was only like a week after that season. So the reason it's kind of half-assed is, and mostly in those first couple episodes, is they run out of time. Yeah, just sneaking in scary bits wherever it feels good. (laughs) Yeah, like somebody was like, we're going to be kind of scary this season at random points with no consistency. Like, call us next season when, like, the logo, instead of a random maze, has, like, a machete and a hockey mask. (laughs) Maybe it's just going to be progressing and getting slightly scarier every year. Oh, gosh. Or maybe maybe it's something to look forward to next season. Maybe they're going to... Maybe this is, like, a test pilot for... Because they're in Fiji forever now, right? So maybe they're going to go the route of... You know, it's going to be Survivor 43, and it's going to be kind of like, you know, your prom or something might be under the sea or, you know, like maybe we're going to next season see mermaids and and, and that sort of thing. Iconography, right? Like, yeah, maybe it's sort of a test pilot of, you know, they're just going to use a number and kind of vaguely have a theme of the season. Yeah, it's for some reason test piloted it with the Saw (laughs) franchise. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think I think there is some sort of like they obviously know I think with the family visit that people love the sentimental heartwarming stuff. But I think with this and then like beyond the edge, they're playing on this really like, ah, it's scary. It's very scary. <laughs> like and seeing how that's playing with viewers. Cause I feel like all the advertisements for Beyond the Edge is like, and this person is dying. <laughs> like, what are they going to do? And then I don't know, it's it's it never seems that serious. Although they've had a lot of like medical evacuations on Beyond the Edge. So uh, this is kind of a curious uh aside. So last season was connected to Tough as Nails. This mm-hmm. season's connected to Beyond the Edge. Tough as Nails is all, you know, inspiring stories and and people rising above their personal conditions or whatever. And Beyond the Edge is scary. Maybe there's a like an edict from CBS to match the next show more. <laughs> oh gosh, please don't let How We Roll get moved to Wednesday nights. TKO is gonna come back. <laughs> it's gonna be american gladiators um foam foam challenges but yeah um this week we obviously i think saw the end question mark of the story of drivers and passengers this episode starts with high saying i'm so appreciative of mike he let me drive the car one time on this vote i really appreciate that and then we basically see how that is not a good way to play as Omer uses that moment to go to uh, Mike and say, hey, this guy thinks he's he owns the car and you're just, you know, bumping around on the the rope, you know, uh, tied to the tied to the trunk. Right. Like, I I think that was a pretty well told little story. Maybe it continues, but I do think it's possible it was high story. I think it continues. I think there's a sense that it's okay to be a passenger if you're Mm -hmm. in the right place and i think there's still lots of people who are trying to drive who are who might get shot in the foot for it yeah and in a way you might be right so our last three boots uh hi tori and rocks right obviously we just kind of talked about hi there obviously the spokesperson for wanting agency wanting control the driver's seat all those sort of motifs you have tori uh two weeks ago saying that survivor is a game about making big moves when you can right and then rocks trying to make that all men's alliance all back to back to back back 
right? Chanel, I think, was also a voice of big player. I can control the game without even voting. And it she couldn't. Daniel, right before that, is another person that is trying for agency and failing. You're right. This is a story about being a passenger. That's why I haven't dropped on Mike, the big voice of dissent here. Um, but also, it's a very good story for Marianne. Yes. Marianne is the constant passenger um, and has had stuff to say about that. And I think she also just has good analogies about the game in general. Like her Jenga one was fun. Oh, um, yeah. Her, her Jenga one was so much better than the we're runners in the we're long distance sprinters with blindfolds on. It's <laughs> yeah, like the but... name of like an arcade fire album. <laughs> Uh, stream we now release like as of friday um yeah i think it's bad for omer of course um jonathan i think i think also Lindsay for trying to get jonathan out like in this search here drea's weirdly in the middle like she's not either i think you would find drea as a driver even though i think maybe she isn't i think in the story she is she has got all the advantages her story's been big time like i'm gonna make a risk and not even think about it that's true right she said that multiple times so i i think even though it's not like she's spearheading these votes and maybe vote why she's a passenger i think you would describe her as somebody with agency partly just out of all the advantages and her approach and philosophy more than anything. Yeah. yeah, No, you're totally right. right? It's so good for Marianne and Mike. And I I think I would argue it's good for Lindsay too. I I think in this story, she's at this point a passenger. Her line a couple weeks ago was what? I'm going to sleep at the wheel and then if need to, or sleep in the passenger seat and then if needed, wake up. Mm -hmm. It kind of sums it up. I think that's a fine spot to be in with this. Yeah, I think her wake up could still be right or it's not being presented as wrong. Yeah. 100%. Like, it's more, it's more, it's this anti-intellectual theme that we've been talking about, right? It's, there's a very clear anti-scheming story, and this boot order is, you know what it reminds me of, Joe? Is the Survivor 40, where we got at the start a lot of um, motifs around old school, and how they are different, and it was sort of a love letter to being old school. those early episodes and we basically see what happens in the season uh spoiler alert for survivor 40 if you haven't seen uh there the entire old school um (laughs) contingent leaves in a row they are the entire pre-merge there's not a single exception right except for i guess you know natalie um but (laughs) she comes back so with that it's this they're just systematically booted but the show doesn't want to condemn being an old schooler being one of the survivor legends so they highlight it in a in a way of how good they are at their thing but then just cut them back to back to back to back to back i think that's kind of what we're seeing with the schemer uh the schemer kind of motif and they don't want to condemn playing survivor because that will make future seasons very boring so there's this weird song and dance they're doing where they're telling a story about all the people who try to make moves failing and but still highlighting like how smart they are yeah really endorsing those players yeah so i think that's interesting yeah so it's uh it's an interesting story they're telling it's again and that might be why i'm not loving it as much 
I love this gamers. Like I leave, I leave this episode loving Omer and this season is saying that's not actually, that's not good actually. And it, you know, it kind of breaks my heart, you know? Yeah. For me, I'm getting the sense that with what Omer's doing, like, Oh, yeah. wins the one pioneering all these other. Things. I could see so, of, yeah. you know, high went after, uh, Roxroy. I mean, Chanel goes after Daniel, Daniel, uh, sorry. Um, High goes after Roxroy. Roxroy uh, in a big move, and then Omer goes after High. The next pattern could easily be someone goes after Omer. Yeah, it's like everybody gets a turn to drive, and then you're kicked out of the car. Yeah, so you got to really choose when the best time to drive is, and it might be driving last. Yeah, question mark. I don't know. Um, so let's jump here to. To me, so we've been highlighting this idea all season of the strong versus the weak. That sort of got away a little bit. But I think we were right uh, at that time to highlight S.H.I.E.L.D. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s very clearly a story of this season and how to navigate them, right? So at this point, I think it's very clear we are meant to be cheering for the people hiding behind S.H.I.E.L.D.s. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that is way back in episode three. We see actually a, a moment that I think pays off a whole lot more when when Jonathan's I, th- I think it was episode three the episode where they get called out and Jonathan's all mad and he's ripping the fish apart and it's him and Lindsay and she's like oh well don't worry like you're a shield now we now see that and and with that moment in in hindsight we now see oh it's it's meant to be like look Jonathan has value but also the people using him have value for him and that's why he's not going to get voted out yeah. as a way to make it, them not look stupid when they don't vote him out mm-hmm. yeah i think this theme that we've been sort of charting has always been so tied to Jonathan mm-hmm. and the very like unique spin he's putting on the game he's everybody right? shield yeah but he's like so like diversely physical like obviously he's strong but then you get this episode where he has these amazing recoveries Mm -hmm. in this challenge and it's like really impressive and i think this theme has been like how does the game move around someone like this and part of that is shields yeah no for sure and it is a cool thing to touch on right because it is a pretty unique thing and to complement the challenges a little bit, I think they've done an amazing job with the production of them and that you're right. We leave it with these powerful moments of, you know, the, the balance one this week with the, the like the half moon thing, like the, uh, you know, half moon balancing bow. ball thing. The bow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, there's the moment where everybody's amazed that he can even stand on that third level, right? With the, uh, they're like, oh my God, his feet are so big. How is he doing it? And then he lasts longer than expected. Like they're doing a really good job with that kind of thing. Yeah. At just making him seem really physically impressive, even in Vic, even in, in defeat. But yeah, I mean, to me, it's just more and more evidence. This, like to me, it's very clear at this point, the story is that it's in uh, probably the winner story, right? Is, Learn to hang back, use people as necessary, use their ability to scheme and plot for your own goals, and then get rid of them when needed and be adaptable, right? Like, to me, it's very clear that is starting to look like the winner path is is somebody who is never too loyal, but is along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Like, will cut bait when needed, but is overall kind of 
they're surfing. Yeah. Um, still on that note, I mean, I think that this most well-rounded person will win this season. Continues, I think, to build on that idea, right? Of somebody who is unremarkable, maybe, or at least at the game, you know, as, as a person, maybe they're remarkable. But is that sort of thing. They are flat, I think, is what we're getting. Uh, as a player they are fine enough and yeah i I really think that this most well-rounded idea is gonna continue is well-rounded i think and we defined it last week is gonna be somebody who has highs and lows i think i see it more as like mediocrity like not extreme highs and lows but like always in the middle because i think the people who are showing highs are getting eliminated like high was very like strategically intense and he got eliminated um i think we're getting lots of people who are very good or very bad at something still laugh and i'm skeptical of their chances to win Mm -hmm. yeah i think maybe in skills i agree with you like i i think i think i do agree with you it's like somebody who is never the best at anything but they were good at everything Mm-hmm. And I mean, for me, that is more evidence for the people that I like. I think all these things are highlighting the same people for the most part. Um, the only exception is like Omer. Omer is still sort of this person that for me is a contender and stands against the rest of the themes, which maybe means he shouldn't be one. Uh, but this is to me speaking Marianne and Mike to a T, right? Mm-hmm are people who mike's not unphysical but he's not a scary beast like jonathan you know uh marianne's not strategically useless but she's not high yeah and even mike you know he's not uh you know he's not a numbers guy but he's street smart he's clever and he's quick on his feet and stuff like that like they're doing a good job of whatever they do show one of these people's weaknesses and by these people i do mean specifically marianne and mike um and i think to some degree Lindsay, it's they show a weakness and then cut it off immediately with another skill right and says you know uh a shield now is a problem like or no a problem now is a shield later stuff like that like there's a whole lot of like you give a weakness and then you immediately justify it. We even saw that way back with Roxroy. It's a, good, a clear trend they're doing, but the only people left with that shine are Marianne, Mike, and Lindsay. Yep, I agree with that. And I guess that's where you're saying highs and lows, then, like the yeah. good and the bad. Yeah, to be clear, I'm not really saying this person, compl- like, none of these people have had like horrible moments. They're just, we know some of their weaknesses to some degree, right? Marianne's annoying. Um, to some people mike is not the best with numbers uh lindsey is having a hard time shining and with all three of those we also know very positive qualities about them and their skills and abilities and to me that's something i'm going to continue to look for is where are they not letting you dwell too much on the negative about a person Mm -hmm. yeah um any other thoughts on that theme i don't think so I think we covered it well. Which brings us here to the idea of your ability to survive is reliant on the people around you. This was brought up again this week, right? We have, I believe it's Omar basically saying you picked the wrong people, right? Like you need to be able to pick the right alliance and I did not. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I think they really did a very good job there. Uh, and Omer's whole justification there is if I can get Mike to not trust high, then I'm in the clear, you know, like that's who I need to get rid of and high bet on the wrong horses. Yeah. 
definitely. I 100% agree with that. And I think it just plays so well with that last theme where if you can't be the best at something, you're going to have to like find the people who are and like let them be part of your game. Yeah. No, you're totally right. There, there's something to it where it's let the superheroes use their powers and then just continue being yourself kind of thing. You know, like Jonathan is the monster at challenges. And so use him when that's valuable, winning challenges, winning rewards providing keep you hung keep you fed and, and and feel safe and everything like that uh use high to make the big moves and calculate and everything like that he's the banner of strategy and i think in a number of times this season we've seen uh mike or omer be like this this tribal council is actually a good example they um we're talking about you know physical strategy and social and then they do a quick cut 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 to Jonathan, Omer, and Hi, right? As the three spokespersons for these ideas. Which, now that I'm saying it out loud, maybe I need to drop Omer. <laughs> I don't know. He's an interesting one to talk about for sure. Yeah, maybe the idea is that social's better. I don't know. Yeah, we'll get to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I, I'm really curious there. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I think in general, it's, it's like betting on the right people. Right. Um, yeah. And we'll, we'll continue to see there. Um, we also have, I think at this point, we all season we've been kind of talking about the idea of the, if it seems easy, it's not easy. I actually want to retrofit this a little bit. And, and it's something that I think we missed. It's more, it's like the reverse Keith nail where he's, you know, his famous line of survivor ain't fun. Cruises are fun. I think this season with Roxroy, with Mike, Mike here at this tribal council, or sorry, at this challenge when it's raining is like, you know what, Jeff, it's what I prefer. It's not raining. Sure. But it's hard to not have a fun time when you're on survivor Roxroy on exile was having the best time of his life. There's definitely a, um, a part of this story is the people who succeed are the ones who are able to stop for a moment and appreciate the beauty and magic of the moment that they're in. Yeah, I think it's about relishing the game, both the good and the bad of it and nature like, and stuff too yeah they talk about like a line we've been that's come up has been like i didn't come here to eat i came here to play like very much put all the sort of taken for granted natural reward things aside like i'm still in a game of survivor and that's where i want my focus to be it's almost they're saying it like without saying i want to play the game of survivor which comes off very strategic it's saying like i want to enjoy the experience of survivor joe that is such an amazing point and something i was gonna like you're right it's all season and i think we kind of missed this we've been taking that you know um we're not here to eat we're here to play and because of the vocabulary and established lore of survivor I think we've, or at least I have been taking it as it's time to like bring out the knives and vote and scheme and stuff like that. But I think it's really saying we're not here to eat. We're here to play and play in the childish, juvenile, um, whimsical way. Like appreciation, like you're having fun play, not playing the game of Survivor how we usually talk about quote-unquote playing right Mm -hmm. it's not being strategic it is appreciating your time having energy being good to be around yeah which again is very good for marianne mike and homer right like they're all three people who've always been presented as they're positive they are happy to be there they're laughing in confessionals they're funny like Mm -hmm. very good for all these people Lindsay too like when you think of people 
have made you laugh this season. Like it's those four for sure. Yeah, yeah. You get like you get Lindsay with the like, oh, and I'm I'm a bad Jew, and you know stuff like that. Like you get like, these really funny moments from these people. Um, every week, I feel like we talk about a really funny Mike line. Like the here's Marianne. Like you know like. These are people who are having a blast being out there. Yeah. Um, and I mean, dang, I feel like I feel like this this little discussion, Joe, I think is really illuminated for me what this story is about. Because the next one we have on here is the same thing. It's this idea of, you know, Survivor is a roller coaster, having one shot and making the most of it, right? Like, that's Marianne's first confessional, I believe. And a lot of people have you know, mentioned things to the same level. And I think this is another one that I got a little bit wrong because it's the same thing again. It's usually when we're thinking make the most, like you have one shot in Survivor and you're making the most of it because of Survivor lore, you're thinking big moves, you know, with five Zs. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Big moves with a Z. Yeah, same wavelength. Five Zs. Um, <laughs> what's a Z? Um, but really, I think they're saying you have one shot have fun play the people you like why not that's what they're saying yeah um and i I think that's why we're seeing all these pro social players in the end game because even the strategic people left are the least strategic of the strategic players you know like drea is probably drea and omer are the two strategy e people left and neither of them are the like the most right i would say omer is a bit i mean yeah i guess you would say high is more but i feel like omer actually is more but yeah drea is weird in that she does seem like a strategic player but it's almost she just has like the strategy building blocks and just has them and therefore she is a strategic player but she's not really doing anything with them yeah drea's on an island i think story-wise like compared to everybody else because she her story is just she has all this stuff you know yeah but yeah it's it's very interesting and to me i'm now like thinking about it now i think our runner really is going to be somebody who's mostly a passenger but has a good time with what they're doing they're well-rounded they're not bad at anything but they're pretty good at everything and the most important part is that they treated this with reverence and they wanted to do well more than anything they had fun and they appreciated every moment and maybe made a move when necessary. I don't even know if that part's coming, though. Honestly, like, that's actually not necessary. The move coming may not ever come, but I think I think it probably will. But yeah, it's like they had fun while they're out there and they met good people. We're getting a we're getting a social winner. I think the more we talk this out, like that's mm-hmm. where my brain's going. I'm having my Raven moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. I think the front runners for me, the ones who fit the story, because I think that's the tricky thing right now is that there are people who are having good edits, but they're not fitting the stories. Yeah. But the ones who do fit the story, I think, pave the way for this very social winner um, who makes it based on how they played the game with other people. I don't want to say they made the best connections necessarily, but like how they did it. Yeah, I 100% agree with that analysis. And yeah, it, it's it's also happens to be kind of the people I'm considering, before this, honestly, before we were talking, I was considering them for different reasons. 
Like, mostly it was their fundamentals. You know, they look good on paper. They are getting the right content at the right time, that sort of thing. But the more we talk about it, the more that I can't shake the fact that Marianne and Mike fit this so well. They're two different sides of the same coin in a way, uh, but they actually are very similar characters this season. Yeah, for sure. Um, Trying to think if there's any... Are there any other uh, stories that you want to touch on here, Joe? I don't think so. I think... It's clear that, like, authenticity is important. I think that's another one to make sure, like, after last season, I really want to make sure, like, the stories are front and center in mind. And even when, like, these perfect moments build up with other people, like, I don't want to go away from these. So I think authenticity is an important one as I shape my winner's list going forward. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, And yeah, like, I, I always try to view these things as, like, the most important thing is factoring in the stories right like the stories are going to tell you what they're talking about at final tribal and if you can reverse engineer that in your brain to be like okay well what does that mean the winner looks like you know like what like which of these are criticisms and which of these are highlights you can kind of do like a puzzle in your brain and figure it out there right yeah um yeah so there is a couple that I wanted to bring up here, but um, we will let's jump here to the castaways. So keep in mind, um, and I think we'll bring up a couple more things that are story-based, but are probably more individual stories. At this point, I think we're starting to get to the point where it's very clear which are overarching and which are, you know, this is Tori's story was making big moves, sneaking out of things and just not quite being able to dig out of the one last hole stuff like that right um yeah let's jump here to the kula kula tribe with drea what are your thoughts on drea joe what a bizarre edit like i came away from this episode being like how did like i know no one knows that drea has all these advantages but like we just don't like is she not a threat like i know she's kind of in weird like xander territory where she has a lot of pieces she should be a threat. She's not a threat. She just sort of exists. And yeah, she doesn't have like a consistent story in this merge. Like she's someone who you should be considering as a threat to win, but instead she's just this person like on the outside of it all. Like it's very much a drama about the Taku for and Mike and Dre is just not. She's just kind of there. Yeah, no, you're totally right. It's this week, she, like, her content was just being along the lines of my husband would be mad at me if I didn't go for hi, right? Like, if I didn't sign up to this, I would be wrong. Like, that was kind of the summation of her content this week. Yeah, and it was, I mean, not that I needed reasons to dissuade myself from thinking Drea was a winner contender, but to come off this really, really strong episode at the final 10 and then have this, it's just not the right transition. Like, forget about cooldowns or anything it just like the road wasn't flat from here to there <laughs> yeah no totally like and we've got like a couple people were wondering like along the lines of like what's more important the the story or the edric chart should we not do chart should we change the approach for me Dre is a really good example of actually why the charts do matter you know like Edgic's always this weird thing where, you know, there's charts and then there's stories and we're tracking all these things simultaneously. Drea, to me, is actually an example of why charting them is important because I think if you look back and you just track story moments, Dre actually has a decent amount of connection to the story. 
But when she goes, you know, CP4, and then she's middle of row two, and then oh. under the radar, and then CP4, and then under the radar, like, it just, like, to me, that illuminates a little bit of where the st- where she is in relation to the story. And she also drops off story-wise as well, right? Like, what is her story in this merge? She's there, right? Not much, but... Um, to me, it, it erodes her her chances a bit because she's in and out so much, and th- and that's the big thing. Sometimes she's the biggest character, and everybody loves her, and then some weeks you'll forget she's on the show. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the biggest point against her is just like, what is Drea's story like in the merge? Like. What is her path to the end? Like, she doesn't even say, I have these advantages and they will surely take me to the end. And right. she just sort of stops at, I have all these advantages, which is not yeah. a good sign. <laughs> yeah, like, you can picture an alternate reality where even if all of Dre's content is about advantages it's more along the lines of like you try to vote me out i got stuff for days like like you want an extra vote i got two you want an idol i got two try and get me and there's not there's none of that it's just i have these things yeah i haven't put much thought into it but i'm curious like how do drea and xander's edits line up like what is sort of the thing xander is saying about his story like about his threat level about his advantages and how he gets to the end and i i feel like it's similar like Mm -hmm. xander just sort of dropped into the background we talked about how he should be a threat but he's not he doesn't have credibility i think the weird thing is we haven't we have no reason to believe drea doesn't have credibility in this group yeah and i mean it's i think we as in you and me were on the line of like Xander's story is so weird from pretty early on, right? Like I don't think we ever considered him in a major way, but obviously that we weren't we weren't alone there. Right? Like, I think there's a good amount of people who were considering him for a long time because I think at times he was shown credible. Whereas we were more tracking the idea of he is changing characters week to week, right? Um because it was a surprise that he would lose that way. In a way, that makes me think that you're right. Maybe Drea is somebody who could lose in the end. Yeah. Maybe it's just you didn't do enough. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe people blame you for the advantages or something like that. Yeah, that'll. It's like the wrinkle of winning too many immunity challenges. Like, but did you really need them? <laughs> like, did you really need these advantages that you just kept from everyone else? Yeah. Yeah. No good, and, but happens sometimes. Yeah, I'd feel bad. I mean. I do, I feel like I missed Drea this week. She was actually really fun last week, you know, on the one we didn't record. Like, that's where she finds the advantage on the, um, at the sit-out bench, right? No, I think that's the episode before. Oh, is that the one before? Yeah. yeah. Um, still, like, like that kind of stuff is fun. Like, I don't know, it's, she's a fun character. I do enjoy what she brings. Um, oh yeah, and last week was, like, last week was the very powerful moment. And that was great. Like, Drea really, for me, shot up my favorite rankings that week. And then she was gone. <laughs> like, she was barely in this episode. What I love about Drea is that you can see her think. Yeah! Like, like, it's such a weird, like, a mix of editing and just these, like, type A characters where, like, they always know what to say or the editor's always showing them what to say. But, like, Drea will, like, pause and, like... Yeah. Uh, and they show it, it. Yeah, it's very much when I'm talking here, I do these sort of pauses. And I see a lot of that in what drea does that's really cool she's a real person (laughs) yeah you can see her gears moving right like when someone talks to her you can tell why she's a a pretty good survivor player right because you can tell that she's listening and not only listening but changing her behavior on what you're saying 
not waiting for an opportunity to speak. She's consciously awaiting and, and calculating the right thing to say in that moment. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I guess that's Drea. Where do we think she's ending up, if you had to pick? Gosh, I don't know. This final seven is just all over the place. It also doesn't help that next week is a wash. It could be anybody. Yeah. I I don't think she's going in the do or die. Like I don't think so either. I think she's gonna make finale. Actually, I think she would make a lot of sense as like a six or five or something. Yeah, I think that's where she's going. I guess finale's five now, so maybe five. Um, I just I think that her story might just be people try to get her out and they can't for a little bit longer than would be want. You know what I mean? Like she upsets people's plans because like one thing that's interesting is like she's gonna have to steal Mike's idol, right? She knows it's there. Yeah. So we're, we have this like feud that we know is probably coming. That's just sort of on ice because there's only one idol that she knows about that she can steal. So she's going to steal it. So Mike's going to get his idol taken away, which I think is why he's not talking about it. Can she, I know this is outside sort of our weird scope. But can she steal Lindsay's amulet and then yeah, have she both can. Of- She can. <laughs> so maybe she does that because then she would yeah. have an idol, I think. I don't know how, like, if she owns both of them. Like- I know they've decided, to be honest. But, um, <laughs> really, yeah, I don't know. Because I think how it's worded is it's like if the person gets voted out, but I-, I would think that stealing it should have that same effect. Yeah. If, if it's designed well, that's how that would work. Um, but <laughs> that's a big if on if it's designed well. Yeah, so um, I think that's uh, definitely interesting there. Um, let's jump here to our next person. But first, I actually, this is something I wanted to bring up here in the story section, and I uh, missed it in my notes. So this is what I want to talk about. Is So last season, I think we were really banging the drum of, like, pay attention to when Jeff is dubbing stuff in, right? Like, that was, like, one of our main takeaways in our audit of the season, right? Uh, one that I missed at the merge episode uh, and I feel bad for, but shout out to various ad 985 for showing this out. I went back and watched this moment. It, it is huge. It's so when they're all passing out, when they're passing out rocks for who's going to be, uh, on the hourglass Island. Um, what the line that's dubbed in is that nothing is free in the new era of survivor. Um, that's the message that they wanted to get across. Um, so to me, it's, we, there's not a huge amount to take from it, but I think it's important to note. I think it's going to come up uh, that, you know, somebody had to make a major sacrifice of some sort. Like, and maybe in, you know, Andrea and Marianne's case, maybe it is those idols that they, they played um, last week, right? Like, that could be an example of one. But I, I do think that's something to pay attention to as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the negotiation at the final 11 challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's definitely interesting. Um, And let's jump here. Is it Jonathan? John- Jonathan is next. And... Yeah. Jonathan is now second last for me, uh, which, uh, you know, is still sixth. (laughs) Not so bad, but I just, I can't even, I can't see it. The fact that Romeo's in the game is the reason he's not last. Um, Obviously, last week was a very bad look for Jonathan. Um, And him getting no chance to, I mean, I guess I'm of two minds. One, the fact that it wasn't, and to be clear that, you know, the moment where he kind of, enables the very negative feelings that Dre is having, right? He says, no, you are being aggressive. Those moments did not look good at all. Yeah. There's, I'm of two minds here. One, it's bad for him that he didn't get to apologize or anything for how he acted, right? Um, Obviously, we have hope that, you know, he's a kind and nice person and is able to be understanding and that we're just not seeing it. So 
it's bad that he doesn't get to apologize or, or whatever. But maybe it's good that it was completely dropped. Like, he also didn't get criticized. So I don't know exactly how to compartmentalize that. But the I, I think that that omen of that episode of the pre-merge where it was, oh, if I yell at somebody or I lose my temper, uh, I will no longer have a chance to win. I think that has happened. I, I think Jonathan is dead on arrival and could be a losing finalist. I, I am not so... Like, I haven't sold all my Jonathan stock just yet. I think... I know, I think the biggest thing is, like, I need to be convinced, like, how has Jonathan shown if last week happens and he also wins the game? Like, what is different? I'm not saying Jonathan's not on my contender list anymore, but he's not, like, Drea and Romeo are far lower than he is in my opinion. Mm. Uh, I I don't think they show the aggressive comment. I think they Tommy it and kind of dance him out of it. They show him hugging Drea and that's it. I think like part of it is to show the reality of the situation and he's still like it's there for accountability's sake. Like this happened, wasn't great, but they moved on. I mean, this is a show that Yes, has made changes since 39, but season 39 happened the way it did. I don't have full faith. And I think, I know we just talked a bunch about how this story sort of leans towards a social player who's well-rounded, sort of eking out the win. But at least for me, I'm not entirely missing the idea that it's a story of just like, what if we keep the physical shield too long? You're right. right. Like, I feel all of these themes can sort of pad a season that has this really simple idea. Yeah. They haven't sort of sold Jonathan so far down the river that it doesn't make sense to me. Like I said, you're kind of right. It's much harder to believe than it was a few weeks ago. But I think especially as we see almost all six of these other people remaining have some merit like it's as though they want to show all the good sides of the people remaining before they have this like very bizarre ending happen (laughs) yeah and in a way joe you're kind of persuading me right because not to have him much higher (laughs) but to at least buy some credibility there because you're right like what happens if the story is just everybody thinks jonathan's their shield and then he just wins right that that could be the story, and that's a very boring story, right? Like, that is horrible. Just everybody keeps the physical guy one round too long, and then he wins out, or whatever, you know? Yeah. Or, or they're so impressed by him, and he makes the end. Like, you're right. And honestly, like, <laughs> while they have made strides, you're right about transparency, it still airs on CBS, and if you look at the Facebook comments, the, the core demographic wasn't too upset by his behavior, right? Like... Oh yeah, we skipped an interesting episode for how the fan base reacted to him. Yeah, it wasn't great um, at all. And I think that's why I came in here wanting, wanting in a way, I think, for him to be last and to be dead on arrival. But we do live in a world where that just might not be the case right like he might just be just fine out there um and and i'm gonna walk back my losing finalist comment i don't i maybe everything else i think could be true i think i overall i still think these other people are more likely but you're right like if it is a situation where shit what else do we put on the show yeah i think if jonathan wins they did do a really good job of being like hey this person not always great Yeah, and let it have its space and then sort of, I don't know, go with the, the rest of the season. Now, I think this episode where he sort of had this weird back 
really backseat role almost. I don't know, but once again, I think this happened before, and it was just like Jonathan got to sit back while people talked about eliminating him, but didn't actually do it. Yeah, and so that's very Tommy, right? Like it's everybody wants to take him out, but they can't get the numbers to. Mm-hmm. So again, yeah. and honestly, if he's not winning, he's had a. I would think it's somewhat quiet story for what he could be. He was pretty yeah. quiet this week. He was pretty quiet the week before last week. You know, like he's had these moments where uh, these episodes where he's just not there as much. Um, and, but granted, it's so weird with him because every challenge segment is about him. Yeah. So it's, he feels more as a character on the show. And this is always the case with the Aussies and stuff like that too, right? Like if you go back and look at the charts, they're actually in the, in the show less, like in the not challenge portions less than you remember. Uh, but are, you remember them so much because 16 minutes of every episode is all about them, right? So, yeah, and I think that's why it's there could be something to like really boosting Lindsay when she wins both challenges as a counterpoint to Jonathan. Because I think the other thing is like Jonathan's won one challenge. Yeah. <laughs> like, for- <laughs> Or post-merge. Maybe a reward, but, like, he's not... He's being shown as this threat that is obviously needs to be acknowledged, but isn't, like, going home. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I would say watch out for this possibility, right? And for him in the future, we just need... The more scenes of that, of, oh, we should get rid of him. Mm, no, we're going to do this instead. The better. Yeah, for sure. That means he's still a threat, right? Like the minute it turns into a Xander and nobody is referencing voting him out ever, then we can write him off. But this week is actually not a good good time to do that because we did see people w- try and fail to get him out. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, you've persuaded me. He's jumped up ahead of Drea, um, for sure in my in my rankings. Yeah, I don't know. I had him below Lindsay at this point, but now I'm almost like maybe back up above Lindsay too. Yeah, like that might be a trap. It's but I love that, right? Like I love that. Unfortunately, now with the exception of Drea and Romeo, everybody's live to some degree. Um, I do have three people considerably higher but they wouldn't be shocks for the others uh which is kind of cool yeah Um, to talk about these two jonathan and Lindsay like are firmly in my like i could see it like tier like i get the past that how they win i don't really believe strongly in it it's not gelling incredibly well with the themes but it's possible like for everything we were saying about the themes jonathan's also presented as someone who's having fun with it you know like he's having a great time out there he is more well-rounded than you'd think he's more social and a little bit more strategic than i think people would have given him credit for at the start um he did at times be a driver and at times be a passenger and succeed and fail in both of those roles you can kind of get to not too much of a logical leap with these things with him he's obviously a shield yeah if that's the primary story that's very good so yeah very interested i mean if he's not winning joe where do you think he's placing hmm. i also think six and fifth <laughs> like everyone is gonna be six or fifth i think i mean i have so many six yeah no and, and, and I, I don't think it's a bad guess and uh for me, I guess I want to. If it, so, if Jonathan doesn't win, what is his story? Like, what do you think is the story of Jonathan? Is it just 
this amazing athlete who was better at the social stuff than people expected and was everybody shield is that the extent of his story or is there more depth there do we think coming yeah i think it's about that like this physical like top of the pops like the best who almost gets like too close to the win like closer than any other physical threat we've seen in a while and i don't say like a while in quotation marks because like they're thriving on this idea that we don't always see physical people make it to the end and so i think that that's the story they want to sell to. Yeah. And like, to be fair, we kind of laughed at that idea a couple weeks ago, being like, look at the last 10 winners. Most of them are big athletic dudes. They're not the most athletic dudes on the season. Yeah, they're not Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, to, to play a little bit of devil's advocate, it's not like our last 10 winners are all all Jonathan and Joe and Ozzy and stuff. You know, they are yeah. like Tommy's athletic, but I don't think he won a challenge and like he's just a big dude but like if aaron won that season or something or aaron or jack won that season then then maybe it would be the same contention but we are talking about a different genre of athletic i think um so yeah i agree i think we might be looking at like maybe the best big man ever or something like that might be what they're going for and big man being like the hyper athlete not the (laughs) athlete um let's jump here to Lindsay because i think there's a lot to talk about with Lindsay. Um, for a while, Joe, I had her third. Um, <laughs> I can't decide what to do with this, like, third to fifth spot. Um, but, I mean, it's clear there's a tension with Lindsay. All season, we've been banging the drum of, what are they doing with her that she's in every episode? I think she's had a confessional every week, or at least very close to it. Mm-hmm. That was often, like, super in the background. Like, if you talk to people who aren't super into this, they are of the of the mind that Lindsay is just as visible as Heather was. Like, they people call her invisible. Like, she's not. She's been, like, here every week, just saying, like, one line and then vanishing, right? Um, And then she popped off, like, big here. Could it be the sign of something bigger, Joe? I don't think so. I think I'm I'm mostly skeptical on Lindsay's chances as much as I want it to happen. I think her closest comparison is Sophie. And I think that's tricky because Sophie comes from this sort of idea of a wide coach lost season. Mm-hmm. And I think you can half argue for a bunch of people here, but I don't think it's a full argument for any of them. Like, none of these people are coached, basically. Like, I'll concede that about this season. Um, uh, when we last spoke, I was really saying like, oh, this she does kind of look like Sophie. And I went and checked her confessionals, and it was actually about the same as Sophie at that time. Now I think she's actually on track to easily surpass Sophie. The thing is, I think this specific is specific Sophie. Yes, this is all. I think just sort of this nice ramp up to when she is unfortunately the victim of do or die <laughs> oh. oh that's brutal because i think you sort of and i think you're right build up this nice character who like is rational is a pretty good game player pretty likable and then yeah just unfortunately draws the wrong door in the monty hall problem and i think that really fits because as we talked about our stories and we have these three people who fit really well into them Lindsay, marion and mike like if one of them wins what happens to the other two like why are the other two also paragons of this and i think for one of them going out in the do or die is sort of like they could have won it if if not for this twist and it wasn't like they were doing anything wrong it was just a lucky unlucky yeah so i think that makes a lot of sense i think Lindsay's had this interesting sort of brush with um an unlucky like basically getting advantage out of the game in that split tribal like 
it kind of makes sense. Wow. And I think it also works if you're in the, the sort of Jonathan timeline where like Lindsay's really ramping up to be like, okay, we've got to get Jonathan out. And then she goes before and she can. Is like, that's the last person who wanted to take him out or something. Yeah. Oh my God. I think you're onto something here. And I didn't even like, honestly, I didn't even ponder that. I was thinking like, I was thinking big time. It's going to be Omer or Romeo mostly. Cause I'm like, is is Romeo making it to the final six? I think we'll get there. Um, I think I could see myself making an argument for Romeo going here, but that's more based on the logistics of how this twist works. Yeah, and not the story first a lot. Like Lindsay makes a lot of sense story wise. I don't know why Lindsay is competing for <laughs> immunity at this point. Like maybe the person who least needs it. Like very. Yeah. Safe. <laughs> but maybe because she wins two in a row, she gets kind of high on her abilities and doesn't think she'll be last. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the more I talk, no, Joe, I, I think you're right. Um. Well. Um. <laughs> That really warped my brain because I wasn't even thinking about it. And I think you might be right. Um, I do think if she survives, like, I'm very curious where this is going. Yeah, I think and, maybe, so like, not a bad comparison. like, losing finalists, I actually think maybe, well... Jonathan could very well happen. But I'm not really seeing why she's warranted to lose. Like, uh, Well, we've seen it, right? This week she says, I need to get Jonathan out because he's terrible at strategy and we're so close that everybody's going to think I'm terrible at strategy too, but I'm not, but I need to get him out so people stop thinking that. If she's there with him. Ah, oh, they're going to get linked together. Yeah. It's like uh, Poverty and Here's Where's Villains. Like if it's Mike, Lindsay, and Jonathan, Mike's winning. Yeah. Right? Um, I think that could be, that could be the path or something like that. That said, I do want to bring up a comment here. We got, uh, to our, from the listeners about Lindsay and all season I've been actually from episode one and I do want to give myself a small pat on the back here. I've been making the comparison to a South Pacific or something like that with mostly cause I was thinking the dark themes with the horror movie. And from the start, I was thinking this is going to be an Alliance season. Uh, so I was a little bit wrong on why, but uh, we have a lot of people now making Sophie comparisons and, and so Pacific comparisons. So I think that's cool. And um, we have Buffalo of 91 here commenting the idea yeah. of um, potentially Mike being similar to a coach. If there is one of coach all season talk and looking like a winner for most of the season, talking about being an honest ethical game, but then lying to and blindsiding people. And obviously we see the end of that season result in it effectively being a how coach lost the game by not being able to have humility at the end. Right. Obviously, uh, and Buffalo continues to say that Mike's doing the same thing, but to like half the degree, right? Not as bad, but he's saying the word is my bond. And then he blindsided Daniel blindsided chanel and around where he said she was good and around where at the start of the episode he said um something along the lines of like i would die for them he said he oh no he said he'd take a bullet for lydia and then voted her out um and then betrayed roxray so maybe we are seeing a world where like maybe Lindsay can beat jonathan and mike hmm. like mike's trying to claim honesty and failing and potentially Lindsay is that sophie style figure yeah i think that's maybe the most valid way to compare this to south pacific it would be really bizarre i think like mm. i really am not expecting like a yx loss from this season, Me neither. But i will take it i would love a Lindsay win <laughs> yeah and like the other thing is well i mean 
let's jump here to the other people. Um, but do you have any other lasting Lindsay thoughts? I do not. Queen Legend winning those two challenges. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I do really like how they centered the episode on her and everything. Uh, so let's jump here to Marianne who I think had obviously a amazing episode last week. And I think a pretty darn good one this week. Uh, she's my number one at this point, Joe. Um, I flipped it last week uh, to basically being Marianne, Mike, Omer. And the reason for it is everything I said last time we spoke is even more true. I don't think you would even describe Marianne as a silly character anymore. She is just a player in the game uh, with a story, with a powerful story. And it's more about not fitting in than it is about being annoying or anything like that at this point. Uh, I am just extremely high on her. I think all the things that we're, we just said about Lindsay could also be true for Marianne. And we're now getting to the point where you're having to slot three people into the end. And in a lot of spots, Marianne's there, right? Like there's only so many combos, especially with some of these people that I don't like, like I'm not high on maybe Drea being in the end. I'm not high on Omer being a losing finalist if he's not winning, right? Like, so then there's only a couple people who can be in the end. Romeo's not making it to the end, you know, like You don't think so? No way. I, hmm. <laughs> I feel like Romeo is a great candidate for a losing finalist right now. He's not making it there. Come on. <laughs> he he voted with high. <laughs> Yeah, but there's big there's this week. So many shields. Ugh. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Well, in your universe, Romeo's not making the ad, so more space for Marianne. Yeah, more space. So yeah, my universe, Romeo ain't sniffing the finale night, right? Like, come on. But um, maybe he can sniff finale night. I don't know. But Marianne is starting to look a whole lot more like somebody who could be in the finale and could be in the end. Like we're saying, a whole lot of these people feel like they're sixth and fifth. I feel like if Marianne's in the end, she's winning. Um, like maybe the story is she's too annoying, but that was one episode from one person and that could be who she's up against. Yeah, and I think even with that one person, she still has a really compelling story of being her authentic self and still yeah. making it to the end. So yeah, I think I definitely agree where like Marianne in the end almost always wins. Yeah, the like, only one who could beat her, I think, is Mike. I think Omer beats her. Oh yeah, I think Mike and Omer could but i don't think they're slam dunks yeah i don't think mike beats her honestly oh no so just omer yeah tell me more i don't know i think if omer and marianne are there together it's very much the story of like omer like once again as like a schemer who like managed to keep marianne under his wing and get to the end and i think that's a case where it'll be rewarded i feel like if it's marianne and mike together like Mike's legitimacy will be called into question. And Marianne never wasn't legitimate. So I think that's a very easy point of discretion. Huh. Yeah, I kind of see what you're saying. And especially like Omer, so much of his story has been keeping Taku together and weaponizing Marianne. So maybe if they're there together, she maybe he gets her to idol out somebody big. I don't know who that would be. Jonathan or Mike or something. I don't know, something like that. But yeah, I could see it. And like we said before, I mean, Marianne hits these themes with like out of the park. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just absolutely wild. Um, And there's like, craft behind her story, right? Like they choose to show Lindsay looking for it and, and, and failing because it's in a really obvious spot, right? It's 
it's in a spot where I even had people come up to me in my life and my friends and everything like that and say things along the lines of like, oh, it was so easy for Marianne to find that. It was in plain sight. I think a big reason they show Lindsay look for it first is is to dissuade that criticism in a way. Like stuff yeah. like that makes Marianne look good and take some shine off the negativity. Yeah. She's the only one who's found an advantage and it be a celebration, right? P- like compare the scene this episode of when Drea or sorry, when Marianne finds the advantage to when Drea finds the knowledge's power two weeks ago. <laughs> it's Drea finds a thing and then it like adds a counter and her supply and there's no forward thinking marianne finds this and it's all about how proud she is and how she's going to use this for the future and she's not going to tell anybody we know what she's going to do with it like there's so much more intentionality and purpose behind this find than anything else found all season yeah definitely agree with that i think so my biggest concerns for Marianne, why I don't have her number one, is I'm still I'm still in that sort of mindset that like this could just be a Marianne edit, like yeah. regardless. Like we haven't really moved away from that. It is still really finely crafted. To which I almost say in this sort of idea that Lindsay, Marianne, and Mike all exemplify this. Maybe Marianne is just this like er example of like all the themes of the season and she doesn't quite make it to the end, but she can easily vouch for the person who does embody those. Yeah, Um, she could be Christian, right? Like that's extremely possible. Yeah. Uh to me, the reason I'm differing there is Christian was Christian the whole season. And Marianne shifted. And I, I think that to me is the the meaningful difference there is is Marianne went from silly to almost being like being an I would describe her at the start as I found her annoying. So this is my own journey with her as a character. I was like, I don't really enjoy her on tv like i'm sure she's fun to be around at times but to me this the the small amounts like were a little bit grating but then they do this thing in episode five in episode five to be clear is the one where jonathan gets upset with her right it finds her annoying the next week is all about how difficult she's had fitting in and it shifts like i actually think it's kind of brilliant They show why you'd be annoyed by her, but also giving some indication of who she is as a person and how she struggles to fit in. And then they show somebody else getting mad at her, the big scary guy. And then they show how much not fitting in hurts her and how she wants to so bad. And in a way, it tricks the audience into being the bully and the person having empathy for the person who doesn't fit in. I think it's brilliant. I think it granted this could not be the winner, right? Like that could be still a brilliant story. It's not a winner, but there's just so much craft there. I think it's actually really, really well told her story. Um, and uh, to me, that is what means it's probably the winner plus finding this idol. So she's in the final five, right? Cause I don't think Marianne's going to leave next week. Yeah, I don't. Feel that that would be really sad <laughs> i would be like people would stop that people would like pitchfork jeff <laughs> right like you cannot have marianne leave on that twist you could have her safe though yeah so i guess like asterisk there i think we're we're assuming somebody's leaving but if not marianne could be a contender for the deshaun safe kind of thing but yeah i don't know i'm extremely high on her um and honestly it's i think i'm the same high on her as i was last time we spoke uh it's just that mike has dropped he hasn't dropped as much as for most people but for me he's dropped enough that he's below marianne now yeah to speak back on your point about how marianne's story has sort of developed i think survivor has a tendency to take their 
more over-the-top female winners. Like, I'm thinking Pearl Island Sandra. I'm thinking Natalie Anderson. And, like, they start them really, like, what you expect. Where it's, like, this, like, mm-hmm. loud, over-the-top presence. Like, you think, oh, Natalie from Amazing Race. Like, I've got to see some, like, drama. And you get these big moments with John Rocker. And then they, like, almost mold that into, like, okay, they are this person, but here's how that helps them be good at the game and here's how that makes them yeah and i feel like we're really seeing that with marianne too like there's i think a different season that just does keep marianne like at that over the top like like there's plenty of moments obviously for it they don't need to give us the detail but they do so i think yeah i'm I myself am becoming higher on Marianne. I don't know if she can overtake Mike yet, but but yeah, I see it. There's definitely just so much work put into this character. And like you said, I think maybe that's just them really paying a lot of detail to a very interesting character, a very polarizing character. Like this, the beginning of the season was all about, did you love Marianne or did you hate Marianne? Yeah. And, and now it's less about that, but... And it plays a trick on you, right? It's like, do you love her or do you hate her? By the way, if you hated her, you're an asshole because she's been struggling with this forever. Like, that's literally the trick they pull, right? Like, story-wise. Um, and I think it's brilliant. And now that you mention, like, Joe, that point about Sandra and Natalie Anderson is so on the ball. Like, that is such a good point because you're right. All of them, all three of those people... I think to a degree you could also throw um, Jenna Maraska in that bu- bucket, right? Um, of you're right, they they are exactly what you'd expect at the start with little nuance and they have their spicy moments and then the merge happens and natalie anderson's a completely different character i guess you should asterisk that as when jeremy leaves she's a completely different person there's some sort of inciting event for all those people that kicks them into survivor gear and then the story becomes how they use that previous stuff to to be good uh and in marianne's case it's being on the bottom, not being in the Macho Alliance. Yeah. No, that's an amazing point, Joe. Like, that's, uh, uh, yeah. So, like, I mean, she's even more her number one. Because I, to me, honestly, Joe, my, my biggest fear for having her number one was just the idea of, well, they often downplay uh, women winners, right? Like, off, like Sarah Lucina is actually kind of an example of what you're saying, but she's just not there in the pre-merge. Mm-hmm. And then she pops off and is what what you're saying and they basically use her previous season as that part um but i was like in natalie white and sophie and, and all these people that are way under are under under edited for what they should be erica and th- i couldn't find a good comparison there but you're right sandra and natalie anderson and jenna maraska are all people that actually fit this mold right they were a little bit more quiet but not like massively sandra's a main character of pearl islands yeah yeah I yeah we need to get to Mike and like see where I settle on that yeah let's let's do it um so Mike yeah I mean I kind of talked about with that coach comment like to me that's the biggest thing against him is we are seeing now how he could lose they're not going in on it but the the hints are there right I was so upset that I couldn't say goodbye to Roxroy I'm so like you know I my words my bond like 
he's saying that stuff a lot. We've seen Tony win, you know, so it's it's. I, I don't think you should be waving the red flag here. He just needs to be able to own it, and that's the question if Mike can do it. Yeah, a lot of discussion, I, definitely this week, I don't know if it stretches into last week, was talking about red flags and green flags, and like, what happens as red flags pile up? What happens as green flags pile up? Is that in itself a red flag? And I don't know, for Mike, it is this weird case where they're just starting to pile up in this weird way, but he's such, he's still so well to the themes Mm -hmm. like we've just talked about Lindsay and marianne i think mike is even more exemplary of those or the show is at least trying to be i think naturally as a person i think marianne probably fits the best but they're really fitting like into the Mm -hmm. what what i think is tricky for me is i think i have been the person who in the past hits a red flag and says nope that's done like you no longer fit into this perfect mold of a survivor winner i want to lower you a ton and i think with jonathan and now with mike i'm really like looking at what this season could be about and yeah i think there is a case where mike sees all these things and he gets to the finals and people are like you did said you did this but you didn't and that's why we're not voting you but that honestly almost seems too obvious if that's the case they're really hitting it over the head um i almost think we're more geared for he's doing these things he's saying another thing he gets to the end and it sort of is this mea culpa remorseful spin on it that i think people see where he was coming from they see how he made it here against all these other people just trying to play the game. And he really he really did mean it, even if the results don't show that. And I think that's where they give him the win. So yeah, it is to have Mike as my number one for five episodes straight and then not to lower him. I, it's it's hard. <laughs> I, I think of like the turbulence of David versus Goliath, where it was like, it's Nick, mm-hmm. it's Christian, it's Angelina. It's like, I don't know who it is. And... That was so much because Nick kept fading in and out of, like, goodness and obscurity. So I don't want to do the same with Mike. When I think there is, I really like the idea that you're told who's going to win in the pre-merge, and the post-merge makes you doubt it. Well, if that's the case here, like, we're getting a ton of doubt. And so, yeah, yeah, that's my my huge Mike diatribe. But I actually totally see where you're coming from. And, I mean, I'm not far off. I have him number two. Um, So... The reason for that is you're right. You can totally imagine him getting to the end and the story is, is okay. Yeah. You lied, but that didn't mean you weren't authentic. Right. And he's not a schemer. He's doing what he needs to do. And I think you could easily see him give those adaptability lines, right? Like, listen, I'm 117 years old. Uh, like, you know, I'm playing for the people who, who get the Denny's menu. I'm clearly out of my wits. I didn't want to be the dinosaur. I didn't want to be the old guy who couldn't hang. I had to make cuts where I needed to. And that's why I, I still lo- love D-Rocks, right? I wanted to keep you, you know, we we're both from New Jersey. Like you can see that being a vote, right? Like, um, it'll just be a hustle. And I think it's may- maybe there's some bias. I think, cause I think we are seeing a lot of people sour on Mike. Um, a lot. I think part of that may be that we've been in the era of lopsided dominating winners for a long time, right? Like, when's the last close jury vote other than Ghost Island? It's been a while. Um, and I think maybe people are forgetting your 
Kristen Vanuatu and Todd Herzog's and, you know, like the people who weren't a clear winner going in, right? Like they did have to fight and earn some jury votes. That might be Mike. He might yeah. be going in losing or something, but I think he could turn it around. Yeah, I think Mike goes in against like Jonathan and Lindsay, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe Dre Jonathan. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, know. it could be anybody but Marianne, I think. Yeah, I think Marianne, I think he probably also loses against Omar because I think, once again, if Omar is there with the people he like did puppeteer there like yeah, I, I would vote yeah. For that. so yeah i think mike loses against omar omar uh, and marianne i think i think those would be the two if yeah. you're mike you could not get there with them yeah otherwise i think he beats everyone yeah i agree i think everybody else is more likely to be a finalist yeah so that is good for Mike. And that's why I have him number two. And honestly, I think there's a world he beats. Omar might be tricky because of that lie. You know, like that might be real tricky. Um, but Marianne, I could see a world where he wins. I just don't know how likely that is. Uh, I don't think he's drawing dead in that one. He might be drawing dead against Omar. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I I still love him. I think he's a fantastic character uh and yeah i don't know i think either way uh he has i think a pretty powerful story like i think they've done an amazing job with mike yeah for sure and I think, I, yeah i look at this final seven and i'm like i'm okay with anyone winning like romeo. yeah you know like so bizarre like sure. but, like the other six for sure like they make a good winner in their own sense yeah. So, and yeah, Mike is maybe the best example of that. Where it's this amazing character that I definitely did expect one thing when I first saw that cast photo. And we've got a totally complex picture of Mike. <laughs> it is great. kind of fun, right? I feel like everybody on the internet had that journey of seeing Mike's cast photo and being like, oh, he's going to suck. Until loving Mike, you know? Like, he had, like, what he said in episode one. I think happened to everybody, you know, we're like, oh, this guy, we don't want to see him on our TV. But he's actually pretty captivating. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd be so happy to see him again, too. Like, mm-hmm. he's somebody I think you could put on another season and he'd be just as good. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, any other thoughts before we jump to Omar? No. All right. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, so, Omar, it, it, it's so weird because it's betting against our analysis, right? Like, <laughs> Uh, like, if we're completely wrong, Omer's the winner, you know? Like, and this is coming from, you know, a show where, you know, we are, we we had Omer, I think both of us had him number one the entire pre-merge, um, or close to it, and he did develop a lot of these stories, but then he, the weird thing is he developed these stories, and then, or was the spokesperson for them at the start, and then completely went in a different direction for all of them. And I guess it really is, like, how much does... It really is going to be the bet on the pre-merge, the post-merge, and where we write about what this season's about. Because um, he is really well-developed. And the most nuance I can articulate about why I don't think he's winning is that he really looks like the winner. Um, and this doesn't feel like a season with that type of winner. Yeah, in the same way, I'd feel really stupid if I dropped Mike here. I feel extra dumb if I'm just, like, not always considering Omer because like they throw scene after scene line after line of like I'm the winner of this season yeah. and yeah every time I'm like but you're not you're clearly like not the winner and so uh, yeah he just hovers that third like 
Marion and Mike make more sense, but Omer, I don't know. I think it's just this like surge of like excellent winter content after the merge that throws me off. Like that feels too good. Yeah. Like yeah, he's got no doubt at all, right? Like yeah. once he gets to final tribal, it is a done deal, right? Like, like this, I think it feels like the Ricard support that happened in the merge where like Ricard had a lot of good scenes and was picking up, but it really was like, he's the best player player on the season like and i feel like omar's very much set up for that i think they did an even better job in the pre-merge and that's why his pre-merge was so good but i do almost feel like with episode five the same way it shifted marianne it was a definite shift for omar in that he did pull away from all the themes it's weird to think about how he wanted to play this like middle part in the between the two alliances and that alliance sort of dropped away and now he's just playing the middle part like that doesn't read great for him i think yeah, no, I, I think you're totally right. I, I think those are good um, comparisons. I think just a couple things I'll push against a little bit. Like, I think the idea of Ricard is right. The only difference is like, Omer did look good from the start, right? Like, yeah, for I, sure. That would be the difference. But you're right. I think sometimes as, you know, people who really love Survivor and Survivor gameplays, I think people have a bias that they want this archetype to win. And I think that infiltrates a lot of coverage, right? inherently right i mean we want the best smartest coolest player to win the survivor's just filled with a lot of the third best player winning you know um and and oftentimes the first the number one often doesn't win uh that's one flag for omer the others are you're right it's he only speaks in winner quotes um in a way that i mean like i guess tommy kind of did But, like, Tommy still, every week, was, like, on the brink of death, you know? Every week was, oh, we're gonna go after Tommy. Oh, he skated by somehow, because he's really good. You know, like, Omer's had no danger. He's had no conflict. He's had no anything. He's just kind of, this episode, he says, this feels too easy. I don't think you're gonna get the winner saying that. Yeah, it's, like, winner quotes, and then that. And that's, like... Mm. yeah like the the because i've mentioned survivor lore and 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 stuff like that in this episode already but there's some rules at 42 seasons into this that the audience has been trained to know one of them is when you are comfortable you are in danger right like with confidence and comfort comes risk and that survivor's hard and you have to earn it and the survivor gods look fondly upon those who struggle and overcome and omar has overcame nothing has had no challenges and just talks about how easy it is i don't know if we've had a winner ever say it's easy brian heideck that's what i was thinking it's very brian heideck and i don't think that's a space survivor wants to go back to especially not for for omer that's not omer's no like like omer is not the ice man right like and with brian and probably a lot of our listeners haven't seen thailand right But the thing with that is it was so novel to see somebody, it was, you could probably write a psychology paper or an anthropology paper or something on Brian's game in Thailand, right? Like, and how he's presenting himself on TV 
and completely unfazed by coming off like a total manipulator with no remorse for anybody, right? Like, that's not, I think, Omer, but that would kind of be who he would have to be to win. Yeah. And, yeah, like, also, like, I just don't know if that even works in 2022. Maybe it does. People do like him, but I just feel like they don't, I mean, they did not like Brian. (laughs) Yeah, I think I talked a lot about how Omer beats both Marianne and Mike, but I also think there is a chance that the rug gets pulled out from under him and he's sort of revealed as this sort of middling schemer the whole time, and then the jury just turns against him. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could totally see that, right? He gets to the end and everybody's like, hey, actually, you were a dick the whole time, and maybe they kind of do that Laurel Brad Culpepper thing you know like actually the whole time they were awful <laughs> um yeah. yeah i could i could see it um but yeah i mean to me that easy comment really made me dubious i do want to say though uh last week there was one moment that made me be like oh my god it's omer is the winner and that was when marianne i believe was talking at tribal council this was during uh, the very powerful moment about them playing their idols, right? Uh, Marianne and Drea. Uh, and Omer's not there. He's on the other beach. And they bring up Omer as also part of this. You know, as also part of this mov- movement and moment. Uh, and to me, it was so jarring because it was all about, you know, seeing two black contestants leave back to back. And then they bring up Omer's personal journey as well in that moment. I I just thought that was super weird and the kind of thing that sometimes is clunkily introduced for the winner, you know? Yeah, I can see where that's coming from. I think that's a very merry line of thought, I think, to just sort of bring in another example like that. So, I don't know. It wasn't as jarring for me. And I think that's what made me sort of not consider it as much. But I think you're right in that if Omer does win, that's definitely something very intentionally included. Um, Sort of a lot of times when they have these big moments, they struggle to incorporate that person. And and this time they did. So, yeah, I don't know. So I guess we'll see, like, is Omer the Iceman? Is the rest of the story going to be him just being... Like that, because that's that's the thing, right? Is what this episode introduces is that if Omer's the winner, the rest of the season is Brian Heideck. Yeah, it it has to be. You can't say it's easy and then question whether that makes it the right move. Because if he wins, this has to have been the right move, and that means it was easy to make the best move for himself, and that means he can't slow down, and the rest of the game must be as effortless. Even if you go back to the Lydia vote, that's also him presenting it as easy. He didn't even have a vote and he controlled the round, right? Like, I think if he is the winner, the story is that he's one of the best and scariest winners of all time. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting, interesting. Uh, And that just leaves us Romeo. I want you to go first on Romeo, Joe, because I think I've hinted to it. I'm just going to briefly say, I think Romeo is a F tier survivor player and is clearly just out there <laughs> he's on he's on the beach 
and nobody's talking to him, and he's kind of in the position I think Roxroy was, in my mind, right before the merge. What do you think? I The thing is, I agree. It's like, how did you get out of the vote of voting out your, like, number one enemy? Like, <laughs> what happened? But then the show was so kind to him, pretty much. Like, on Ika, like, Romeo's, like, the strategic core. Like, things are moving around Romeo. And he has not been that since, like, day one of the merge. And so... That's kind of where I get the idea that, like, Romeo's a really tricky losing finalist for them to edit around. Where I think... He just does nothing? He wasn't in danger on Ika. Maybe he wasn't as, like, didn't have as much agency as we were led to believe. But I don't think he was, like, going home. Like, you always had Tori. Yeah. And Tori always got out of it. Um, I think... Yeah, he's kind of really floundering. Like, no one really cares about him here in the merge. And I think he's just a very, like, Troyzan type. Or, like, Laurel type, almost. Where he just kind of isn't great. (laughs) And takes up a spot for a much more compelling, like, 1v1. Like, imagine it's, like, Mike versus Marianne. Or Omer versus, like, Jonathan. Like, you're getting, like, Becky, almost. (laughs) Like, just... You want to show some credit? Like, why is he here at the end? but, like, not completely ignore him, which they've also Mm. done. I don't know. Huh. Like, you are persuading me, I think, mostly, like, that scene with Drea. Like, you could see maybe, like, the, you know, the I'm gonna teach her to be a good survivor player or something. Like, you could see a world where maybe Drea goes off on him at Tribal or something. You know what I mean? Like, maybe that's, there's stuff like that. But for me, I just, I do not see it. Like, You're kind of convincing me in the fact that you know, he did get a good amount of content in the premiere and a couple times pre-merge, right? Like, he was given some credibility. And so maybe they just... But then I don't really get what they're doing in the merge. Like, I mean, they're showing very clearly why he would lose. But that's it. That's all he has. There is no doubt when he makes the end that he is a loser. You know, losing finalist. Um, So I don't... That's why I don't see it... Unless you're right, it is a battle between two others. Like it really is like a ba- like a like a Dom Wendell battle for you know battle of the titans kind of thing. Yeah. For me, I just there's actually been a trend this season of somebody going invisible and then or you know UTR one or invisible or whatever a really quiet episode and then leaving the one after. Um, that's why I think it could be him next week. Maybe he dies for Drea. And, you know, that's, uh, he can't bear to see Drea do the do or die and he takes her spot and leaves. Like, I I could see that happening or something. Like, mostly because I have no faith in him. Um, because he's got to play, right? Yeah, that's, I kind of, the biggest thing is, like, he's the one who should be playing in the immunity challenge. And, like, also probably the one who's out first. (laughs) Like, yeah, like, he's terrible at these challenges. And he is, he has to play. Right? Like, um, which makes me think that he's he's probably next. That's what I'm thinking. And it kind of, like, we get enough that, like, we get it. But, like, he's also on the bottom and playing badly. So you don't feel bad if he leaves. Yeah, that's fair. The best case scenario for Survivor production is that the person who leaves on do or die was going to leave anyway. Yeah. Or, you know, they can trick the audience into thinking that or whatever. Which is why I think it's him. I don't know. I, I really do think it's him. Um, also, like, they just clearly have nothing for him, both the players and the story, right? It's, he was not in this episode, and then he voted wrong against the person who was opposed, like, 
apparently against. Yeah, I don't know. He did have like a confessional about like how hard it was when everyone was talking about that, but Mm -hmm. still mostly nothing. Like nothing game wise for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he just uh and like honestly like I feel like we were like we were pretty negative on him preseason and I think we were like, oh, maybe we're wrong. Like, I don't think he's making the DVD cover anymore. Like, I think he just kind of stuck around somehow as, you know, like, I think, yeah, um, try not to be too harsh. I just don't think uh, there's much for him. And that just, to me, I think I've, I, I've noticed a trend that they, they start cutting them off when they, they're going to get rid of them, you know? Um, and I think they just ran out of story with Romeo, and instead of padding one more out, I think they just quiet him down and then and chop him up next week. Yeah, I think that that does sound valid. Like, if it's not Lindsay, I would say Romeo makes a ton mm-hmm. of sense. And then, yeah, I mean, so we got our three fallen heroes here. Uh, let's start with Roxroy, Rip King. Um, she had a pretty funny boot. Um, like, it, it was satisfying, right? Seeing, like, like, this is, like, one of the few moves of this season, right, is voting out Roxroy. Yeah, yeah. And we were right on our like idea that he's someone who just doesn't kind of fit in to the story. So just kind of goes out here. As I, a do weird want to say, I feel so stupid from my last coverage because I was so in my like in my mind about well, Tori's going to beat Roxroy. So, like, it can't be Tori this week. And duh, she does beat Roxroy, but by like a second. And that, like, that didn't even occur to me. You know what I mean? Like. And in a way, Roxroy's boot caused her to leave. Like, it was actually a pretty well-told story. And I kind of am kicking... Like, I, right when it happened, I was kicking myself that I didn't see it. But I just... In my brain, I was like, oh, two people are leaving. But, like, at the same time, I didn't really yeah. think about the fact that, you know, oh, he could leave and then Tori also leave after. And that'd be a connected story, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good on them. Was, good. Well, yeah, as for Tori, um, she just feels so separate from everyone else in this season. Yeah. Like, I don't know. She does not feel like the other castaways. And I don't know, as we wrap up, if that's like the constant sort of background noise we've had with Tori um, all season. If that's just always set her apart. But I do feel like she just feels not playing the same game as these people. Like, yeah. They're just playing Survivor, but, like, Tori's version of it is not, like, how any of these other people. Yeah, Tori's, like, in a multiverse, right? Like, in, like, something that looks kind of like the game everybody else is playing. But you never see her interact with other people. And if she is, it's Roxroy and she's rolling her eyes and... <laughs> that kind of thing so yeah yeah rip tori very entertaining character on the show yeah very entertaining on the show and exists outside um <laughs> and then uh and then hi it's sad it, like i i do feel a little bad for the guy like he got dunked on in this episode i think he did for sure but i think high story is one of like he sort of grew into this very big larger than life character and then the show like gave it back to him just the way he was giving it and then they also knew like he was going to love that and he did he did in the moment i think he loved it like his portrayal like yeah no and he's really funny on twitter and you can tell he's the type of person who would absolutely love this and probably wish they went further yeah right like it was funny to see him go to jonathan and be like don't worry buddy i'm gonna play the idol like 
when we, like, it was so funny because they they gave no doubt that he was leaving. You know, like there was, was nothing. You already knew he's dead at that point when he goes up to Jonathan to just make him like maximally look bad. Mm-hmm. So I would say that more than likely he probably had some part in this, and they were joking around and stuff, or they're mad at him for something. But because we have seen the revenge edits, you know, like that is something the survivors not too mature for i i definitely don't think this is revenge i mean silly even even in this they like showed that really nice moment of like his family life and all of that i think the river really likes high would not be surprised in the slightest to see him again um agreed yeah just a really good character and i think he just had a really fun downfall and I think part of making it so dramatic sort of sets him up for his return. Like, remember when High, King High played himself out of the game? He's back. I mean, you could picture the Second Chances video, right? I had it all in the bag, and then I went to Jonathan when he already knew he was leaving and said, hey, I'm going to play my idol on you, and that ruined my game. You know, like, you can see that. And him laughing at, you know, yeah, it's it's totally doable. Um, it was a fun, fun episode for him. So yeah, I think he's someone I didn't really like love episode to episode, but his presence in the season definitely contributed a lot overall. Yeah. And really, it was an underdog story, right? Like, he was kind of screwed on his on Vati for a while. Yeah. And and that rocks thing really flipped the game for him and put him in a power spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he really was the benefactor of like really standing his ground in like a pretty powerful way. So big fan of High. I feel like for us, he was kind of a frustrating one because it was like he was a huge winner pick. And so it was like every week always having to be like, nope, <laughs> she really is not. But um, someday yeah. next season, well, it'll be the same. That'll be you know, it, it's just our eternal curse, right? There's gonna be some strategy, like, and, and you know, one of the, one of these times, one of these people's gonna win, right? So, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, let's jump here, prediction. So, next boot, we have our do or die. I think we're both leaning on. I guess one. Do you think it's gonna be the exact? Is it the exact same? Yeah, I think it's the exact same. I think it's the exact same too. And we're both. Are we both voting die? Yes. That's more fun. Um, I mean, more insulting to the game of Survivor, but more fun. Yeah, that's how I describe fun. <laughs> <laughs> burn it down. Burn the past. Um, and who do you think is falling victim? And maybe do if it's do and if it's die and if it's a different person. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, if it's die, it's Lindsay. And I think if it's hmm, if it's do, I want to say like Omer. Ah, I could I, see I, that. I almost wanted to go with Mike, but that seemed too wild. <laughs> I think that's too wild for me, Joe. Um, I'm going to go with either way. Mm, you kind of got me with that Omer because... That would be a good story, you know, of the train of, you know, rocks right to high to, uh, to, to Omer would be a good train of the schemer goes out. But I'm going to go with either way it's Romeo. <laughs> Poor Romeo. He's screwed. Um, we've talked about the winner, but mine, number four, is Lindsay. Number three is Omer. Number two is Mike. And number one is here's Marianne. I just have three. I mean, fourth is Lindsay. Maybe, maybe Jonathan. I don't know. Um, But third is Omer. Second is Marianne. And first is Mike. Nice. Uh, But yeah, that's our show. Um, 
happy Mother's Day if you celebrate uh, to any mothers or whatever listening to the show. And feel we'll post this on every weekend. We'll be back next week to talk about the coin flip episode. Um, feel free to contact us on Reddit. Uh, we have an email, thewinneredit at gmail.com. Um, and leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. It really helps. Um, and farewell. See you next time. And if you are watching closely... There was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. Oh my gosh, it's like a million. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. All the girls are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can. And then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either going to...